This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 122 of Small Talk. Your host, Steve Cerruti and Michelle Smallman are here. Shout out to our listening audience and hello to our YouTube audience. I'm still getting used to being on camera this entire time. Apologies to the YouTube audience. Last week, I looked like Margot from Christmas Vacation. Today, I look like Elizabeth Holmes. I'm doing the black turtleneck. I guess I should talk like this then, Steve. Oh, please. I'm getting a PTSD from watching that. (laughs) She was one of my least favorite people of, what was it, 2019, 2018, whenever that came out. I couldn't even believe how much every time she was on camera I cringed it was uncomfortable but you actually kind of oddly do look like her now and we've been talking we're having lighting issues now we have to think about lighting on the show I never had to think about lighting before and all of a sudden I've got two lights over here I got one light over here you got a ring light like you're some YouTube star it's a very weird world for us yeah we're not used to being on camera we've been radio people okay we can roll in in sweatpants and nobody knows if we look terrible now that we're trying to do this youtube thing and yeah i guess since we're on youtube that's why i had to buy the ring light we have to focus on what we look like a little bit but you know the turtleneck is always just an easy thing to throw on and look like you're put together even if you're not i was looking at some magazines with my sister rachel she got me this book of men's fashion specifically in new york city it's kind of like a coffee table book. You open it up and there's like nice pictures in there. And a lot of the, like the guys are wearing turtlenecks, like Danny Cannell style with the blazer totally. and stuff. And we were talking, I was just like, I just don't think I can pull that off. I don't know if I'm what? that. I, and I feel like I'm pretty adventurous when it comes to yeah. style, but a mock turtleneck and a blazer is something that I don't think I'd look good in, or I would look like a Bond villain, which would be kind of cool. But again, I don't know if people would be like, Suri looks really good right now. I think you could absolutely pull off the turtleneck and or blazer combo. If you could pull off a man bun, Steve, you could definitely rock a turtleneck. You think that's more adventurous? Than a man bun? No, you think you think a man bun is more adventurous and more risky oh, than a turtleneck yeah. and a blazer? The turtleneck is a one-time deal that you wear and you make a statement. To get a man bun is a commitment. That is a look. This is who you it's are true. every day, not just for a night or for a photo. That's true. That's true. All right. Maybe I'll try. Maybe I'll have to get some, uh, I got some gift cards for Christmas from the parents. I have zero turtlenecks right now. I used to have actually a bunch of turtlenecks. I remember in middle school, you know, creeping into high school a little bit. Remember American Eagle and Abercrombie? They were all, yeah. all the dudes would wear the fold over, uh, the big old oh, fold over yeah. sweaters that you get for Christmas. I had about a hundred of those. And then as soon as I hit college, boom, they were gone. Never wore them again. So as I said last week, right, when we talked about fashion, style is cyclical, things come back and maybe who knows, maybe the turtleneck will be back in my closet soon. The black turtleneck has never gone out of style. When I lived in Italy in college, when I studied abroad, I wore a turtleneck almost every day, so much so that my friends there nicknamed me BT because I would constantly wear the black turtleneck. But it looks stylish. It It looks European. And it's a one time deal but it now is tainted because of elizabeth holmes before it was kind of cool steve jobs now it's tainted because of elizabeth holmes speaking of elizabeth holmes i need to bring this up to you have you seen this story about hilaria baldwin alec baldwin's wife it reminds me of elizabeth holmes with the fake accent the fake voice i know that she's in the news i've seen people calling out alec calling out is it hilaria 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 i think it's hilaria but her real name's hillary okay I don't know what happened though. So fill me in. And for anyone in the audience that doesn't know, fill us in because all I know is that everyone is crushing them and dunking on them on social media. What happened? Okay. So like most things in life, this started on the internet. Some internet sleuth found all of this old footage of Hilaria Baldwin, who is Alec Baldwin's wife. She's had, I think, five kids and is one of these women that can give birth and snap back in like three days. Yeah, I've seen her. She looks good. Yeah, this insane yoga body, right? So Amy Schumer had done some sort of post 
with Hilaria Baldwin making a joke and then people called her out for like body shaming and mom shaming. It was this whole thing. So then because of that, Hilaria Baldwin was in the news. So people started digging on her mm. and they found all this old footage of her saying she was born in Spain. She's from Spain speaking with clearly a Spanish accent. She was doing a cooking segment on some sort of news show. And she was like, I don't know. What do you call this? And they're like a cucumber. And she's like a cucumber. And the person revealed that she was born and raised in Boston. She's lived in Massachusetts her entire life. Her name is actually Hillary. <laughs> and she's not Spanish at all. She does not even have any sort of Spanish descent. And she's been saying she's hilarious for years and saying that she's from Spain and pretending she doesn't know how to say the word cucumber. Wow. Um, <laughs> I know. Which is so Elizabeth. At what Cole. age did they figure out what age she made this transition? And also did her entire family and friend group just go along with it? All of a sudden, if I just showed up one day and started calling myself Esteban, would you just be like, what the hell is happening right now? Like Wait, you're, you're Steve. <laughs> like, well, Esteban. Why would, but no, seriously. Why like, was that the name you chose, Esteban? Because <laughs> isn't that Steve in Spanish? <laughs> I, think, I, I think, yeah, Esteban, right? Me llamo Esteban. I took a couple of classes of Spanish in, in high school that I did not do well in, but I do remember a few things. But yeah, if I just randomly started calling myself Esteban and speaking in it with a Spanish accent, wouldn't my mom, my sisters, you would be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Did she not have any friends? What happened? I have no idea, but it definitely happened in adulthood because they found some evidence of her. I think in college, she was a dancer and her name was Hillary in a publication. Wow. It was named Hillary. And all these people started commenting being like, yeah, I went to high school with Hillary. Her name was definitely Hillary. But here's the thing. Where were all those Spanish. people? Where were all those people this whole time? They probably well, maybe knew they her. were commenting, but who was paying attention? That just seems like, you know, an anonymous tip to New York Times or New York, whatever, New York Post probably, or the National Enquirer, one of those magazines. And then all of a sudden that would come out because if I went to high school with someone that was faking being Spanish, I feel like I would want to tell everyone that. I don't know. And especially if she was famous. Right. And wait, wait, wait. And changed her name. Did Alex say that he knew? Do you think Alec knew? He had to have known, right? He was defending her. She came out and said that her dad, I guess, did some work in Spain. And so she always felt like <sighs> Spain was home or something. It was a very suspect explanation but deep down do you way. think he knew do you think he knew because i i wonder if he ever even knew i think he knew because you have to be some kind of crazy to put on an accent like that 24 7 even in the privacy of your own home and keep it up for that many years because the way that this was revealed was she did some sort of video commenting on the Amy Schumer photo and mm -hmm. her accent was gone. She didn't even think about it. She dropped her guard and started talking and people were like, wait, aren't you Spanish? Why all of a sudden do you have kind of a New England accent? What's going on here? And so people started doing some digging and everything was revealed. I get why she would just, because I always joke around how I'm vaguely Mediterranean, right? And you know, Esteban. Esteban, yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but the Italian, Spanish, Greek, that whole Mediterranean area, it's very mysterious and interesting. You can be a, a completely uninteresting person. And if you're from that area of the world, you're automatically more interesting, right? Just not even doing anything, not even taking a class, not even whatever. You are just more interesting because you're from that part of the, the world. So I understand why she would actually do it. And Especially if you're a woman, like a Spanish, an exotic Spanish woman, that's a really attractive thing, I think, to a lot of guys, too, especially probably in Hollywood. What is her background? Is she an actress? I don't even know what she is. I have no idea. I don't even know what she does other than be married to Alec Baldwin and have kids and snap back immediately. But good for her. 
part of it, I wish I had it in front of me. I just kind of brought this up offhandedly. But when they did the lineage, I think her family was part of colonial times, actually yeah, establishing so she's super America. Yeah. She's like from Massachusetts in colonial times. Yeah, she's super English and American. I mean, if you're from Boston, that's probably going to be the case. Right? People from Boston are about as white as they come. The whole story is so bizarre and so funny. Wow. So I had seen it trending. I didn't really necessarily know why. And I saw the Hillary Hilaria thing. I never even knew who she was, but that is a wild story. And hey, I guess, I don't know. Are people mad at her? I, I, I bet everybody's oh, yeah. mad at her now, right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's a, a cocktail of being angry, but also being very confused. Like, how could you do that? Same thing with Elizabeth Holmes. How could you talk like this when it's not your natural tone for years? For years, how do you do that? How do you how do you wake up and commit to that every day? Well, Elizabeth Holmes clearly has some issues. That's all I'll say. She clearly has some things going on that I don't know if it's self esteem or whatever. That whole thing would just freak me out. The entire thing. Anytime she was on camera, I was uncomfortable. It was very strange. But the one thing I'm thinking of now, Michelle, is does this go against the creed of our podcast, which is that we're a judgment free zone? If you want to be Spanish, go ahead and be Spanish. I don't know. I don't know. There's some sort of appropriation there that is not okay. Also, as you mentioned, there's some sort of mental thing going on there. I just don't think you can wake up one day and say, I'm from Spain when you're not from Spain. No, I mean, it's not a normal human behavior thing to do. I'm not going to say that, but I don't know. I guess if she was happy and wanted to be Spanish, then go ahead and be Spanish. I don't know. Yeah, Listen, this is a judgment-free zone, but also the most judgmental podcast of all time. But this is where <laughs> I'm putting on the Good white point. wig because while it's a judgment-free zone, we are not judging things that make you feel better about yourself. But this is a lie. This is you blatantly yeah. lying to people for a long time. And that bothers me. If you want to enhance yourself because it makes you feel good, by all means. Even though you could, I guess, make the argument that if pretending she's Spanish makes her feel good, then we shouldn't judge her. But this is just, it's a house of lies, right? She sits on a throne of lies, as Buddy the Elf says. That's a good call. Yeah, you know? I don't know. I'm sick of it. Don't yeah, lie no, to people like that. It's... And she was printed in publications saying, I'm from Spain. This is what my life was like. And you know what? That's unfair to the journalists that you would lie about stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess- It's a pro-journalism podcast. This is, yeah. The truth <laughs> eventually gets exposed, but I don't know. So I guess she'll probably go away for a while, but that's probably gonna be the next step for her. I don't even know what she does day to day, but so does she just go back to speaking normally now? I don't even, what's the transition like? <laughs> she, now all of a sudden she has a Boston accent. Yeah, she like, I bought a new car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that would be incredible. But, but imagine being from Boston your entire life and pretending on national television that you didn't know what the word cucumber was. That's a hell that, of an act. That takes a whole Honestly, other level. It's dedication. I mean, it's a kind of crazy behavior. Shouts out to the dedication, I guess. Shouts out to Hillary. What's up? Not Hilaria. Not Hilaria. Hillary. No. I mean, it, honestly, if my name was Hillary, I'd want it to be Hilaria, though, for being honest. Yeah, sorry to, sorry to all the Hillary's out there, but yeah. Are we a pro Hilaria podcast? Not the person, but just the name. Hilaria greater than symbol Hillary for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, this is our last podcast of 2020 and thank the good Lord, because we need this year to go away. I am so excited for 2021 vaccine is happening. We're going to get some fans back in the stands. Hopefully by this time next year, we're back to some sense of normalcy, but 
as most people do during end of year shows or end of year podcasts, we're taking the path of least resistance. So we're doing, we're going to do an AMA today <laughs> because, you know, we're tapped out at the end of the year. We were like, what should we talk about? We're like, you know what? The listeners always come up. The Shelley's always come up with better questions anyway, better topics. So let's just do a fun rapid fire AMA for our final podcast. It's our favorite thing to do. And we also have a special treat at the end of the pod, though. We got we to gotta throw that in there. Oh, that's right. I forgot. We are doing, I don't want to say a surprise guest, because that'll make it seem like it's an interview of someone people know. But we're going to get introduced to someone who's interested in the pod and who may join the team. We'll put it that way. He wants to join the rocket ship that's going straight up. So he wants to get on board. To the moon. Straight to yep. the moon. <laughs> yeah. So look forward to that. We'll talk to him for about 10 minutes at the end of the show. But the AMAs are genuinely our favorite thing. And I love the questions we have today. A lot of discussion. Yes, I posted it on my Instagram at msmallman. You can find Sarudi at Steve underscore Sarudi. And like always, the Shelleys came through. All right, so I'm just going to go random. Okay, Steve, what is one thing you'd tell your younger self if you could? I feel like you should have an answer to this off the top of your head. This is like an icebreaker question. This is a question that I think you should just have an automatic answer to. I don't. So I had to kind of think about it and even do a little bit of research on it. Like, what do I want? What do I like in people? But this might be a stupid cop-out answer. But I, I would tell myself, specifically Saruti up to about 25 years old, mid-20s, stop caring what people think about you. And I know this is, feels like a layup and it's like, oh, it's every self-help book ever written has basically that as one of the chapters. And that's probably true. But I'm 32 years old. I look at the progress of my life and year over year. And in my mid-20s, I sort of stopped caring about that. You know, throughout high school, even college, like you want people to like you. you and I get that because that's how you build friends and whatever. And that's how you build relationships. I, I understand. But the second I stopped caring about that, I felt like my life got so much better, you know? Totally. The second I stopped trying to think about what other people thought, how I would react to a certain situation or what I liked or really anything about your life, there's this weird freedom that you get out of that. And I feel like I'm a better person because of it. Like I like the version of myself the last couple of years because of basically zero fucks Rudy came out and doesn't really care what anybody <laughs> thinks anymore. So I would tell myself to not really care about what other people think of you, even though I understand that's part of growing up and that's part of figuring out who you are as a person. But it's something that I think a lot of young people need to be told. And the other thing I would do, if that wasn't good enough, I would just say invest in Amazon. That's probably the easiest thing you could say. Oh, duh. That would have been a layup. And I wouldn't have to worry about anybody liking me because everybody would like me because I'd be super rich. Yeah, you'd be everyone's best friend. That's for sure. Um, no, that's a good one. And definitely something your parents always tell you as you're growing up and you never listen to them because- it's something that comes with life experience. And when you're younger, your ecosystem is so small. You, of course, care what everybody thinks because you have no concept of how big the world is. Yep. You know, like the 28 people you see every day are the only people whose opinions you're aware of. It might be different with kids now because of the internet, but when we were growing up, we only knew the people that were in our bubble. Mm -hmm. So of course, if someone didn't like us or there was an incident that gave us anxiety or made us upset it weighs on you heavily is it so funny too like every movie they talk about how you know your problems in high school and your young adolescent years and you know your 20s are not as big as you think they are but you don't actually listen or believe that and then now the hindsight you're like yeah remember when i was worried about whatever this random test i took and whatever that i probably failed in algebra or what all that stuff or the drama that you went through with friends or friends that you don't yeah. have anymore none of that shit matters like <laughs> none of it matters whatsoever you end up growing into the person you're going to be so i would just say even though i know it's going to probably be hanging over some of your heads don't worry about what people think about you it's stupid especially because social media has made it worse too Oh, big time. I think if I could go back in time and sit down with a young Michelle who is bright-eyed <laughs> and excited about her future, 
I would tell her to be smart, but not be so cautious because this might surprise you actually, because, you know, I travel, you see me going to New York, doing all these fun things. But when I was growing up, I was very cautious. I was the one out of the friend group that would be like, no, we can't go here. That doesn't seem safe. No, you don't know this guy. You meet this guy at a bar. You don't know him. You don't know what his intentions are. That doesn't seem safe. I was always the one that watched Dateline and was afraid (laughs) I was going to get murdered. And watches Dateline. Oh my God. My mom loves Dateline. Growing up, I was always watching Dateline. It was just a thing, you know, before I I mentioned, I studied abroad in Italy. Before I went to Italy, my mom made me watch a Dateline about a girl that studied abroad and got murdered in Ireland. I'll never forget it. I was like, great. Enjoy your trip. Yeah, be safe. I was like, okay, great. But you know, parents do that because they're scared to death that something bad is going to happen to you and they want you to be cautious. But I wish that I had been a little bit more fun and fancy free when I was younger and didn't care and was more like, let's just go with the moment and see where it takes us. And yes, this place looks a little suspect, but it could also be really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's easy to say that. I feel like because you have the benefit of hindsight of knowing that everything worked out for you. Yeah, We're not sitting here being like, if you're a high school or listen to this podcast, throw all caution to the wind and, you know, do whatever the hell you want. Because I think some of the fun, and this gets into what I even said about finding your boundaries and, and not caring about what people think. But some of what's great about adolescence and growing up in that way, high school is finding out where the boundaries are, pushing yes. the boundaries. I always thought it was something to push the boundary a little bit. Maybe you get in trouble, but you don't want to get in too, too much trouble where all of a sudden something happens that's drastic, right? I understand what you're saying though. Be a little bit more open, be a little bit more adventurous. And it is funny because you now, you're right. Everybody probably thinks of you as this jet setting person who's super cultured and has traveled all over the world, which is true. But also, you know, I know down deep, Michelle and Shelly is, you know, you are kind of a cautious person, not in a bad way, but you know, you have a mom vibe to you. We just, you know, mom Shelly vibes come out where yeah. I, I can see you at a party telling people tournament. like not to do dumb things. No, think about 100%. this and whatever. And that friend is kind of fun too. You need that friend. So that's, a, you're, you're actually a valuable person, even though you might not have been as adventurous as you wanted to be when you were younger. Yeah. I remember in high school one time, a drunk girl spilling red Kool-Aid with probably vodka in it nice. on someone's parents' white carpet when we were at a house party. And I'm the one cleaning it up being like, oh my God. And I don't even barely know this guy. And I'm like, the carpet, but the carpet. <laughs> I, rem- I remember. I, and I'm, why did I care? I wish so that, I mean, this is getting super deep, but I think part of it has to do with the fact that I grew up Catholic and went to Catholic school and mm-hmm. that do the right thing and that guilt and that yeah, the guilt. <laughs> some things are always just black and white. Like this is right. This is wrong was very omnipresent in my life growing up. And I wish I would have just relaxed a little bit. Also, I would have told myself I dated a guy for a really, really long time when I was young mm-hmm. and he was gem. Love him. And so many people were like, don't go to college and have a boyfriend. You need to date people and experience your life. And we didn't go to the same school. And like I said, gem, great guy, but I wish I would have taken that advice and just gone to college and been, again, more fun and fancy free. Yeah, but I think it's easy to say that with the benefit of hindsight, though, right? You yeah, know, of you, course, of it, course. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, like everything worked out. You're a well-rounded person. You're fine. Don't worry about it. But that is, yeah, I get that. Sometimes I think about the same thing, too, is put yourself out there a little bit more. Don't be so cautious. Don't be so afraid of being rejected, even, too, of, of different yeah. things. Um, that's definitely something I could uh, relate to, for sure. Okay, next one for us here, Steve. What is the single best thing you've eaten oh, this year? Okay. You sent me these questions, what, yesterday or two days ago? So I've been yesterday. kind of mulling over them for a while. And this is a really hard one because think about the amount of things that you eat in a year and to think about what your favorite thing is. There are probably dozens of things that I was pumped to eat. This is the thing that comes to my mind. 
Maddie and I went to Portsmouth, New Hampshire for our second wedding anniversary. If you've never been, it's a really, really cool New England town. I think I've talked about it on previous podcasts. Can't talk highly enough about it. But there's a place called Moxie, which is this little, I don't even know what you call it. It's kind of like a craft beer place, but they have really good food. And a lot of it is American tapas food, right? And they had these mini Italian sausage hot dog sandwich things that were unbelievable. Think of the best sausage and peppers you've ever had, but it's a miniature version on this small bun. They're called the Moxie mini Italian sausages. They come with onions and peppers sauteed on top and a lightning mustard sauce. I'm thinking about it right now. I'm just drooling. I like sausage and peppers. I'm not obsessed with sausage and peppers like some people are, but Michelle, this thing was so freaking good. Maddie and I still talk about it to this day and honestly have debated taking day trips two hours north just to go get this sandwich. I'm drooling right now. That sounds so good. That's such a great pick. I wonder if that's something you could recreate at home. You could, but I don't know if I'd want to put the work in to make that happen. Plus, I don't know what's in the sauce. The sauce was amazing. It was like a mustardy weird sauce. It was awesome, which you definitely need on there to make it good. Sauce is key. But I'm telling you, this thing was so phenomenal. Just make the trip up to Portsmouth. Don't try to make it yourself. Just make the trip up there. Okay, that's a really good one. So- I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you one that I cooked. And let me pull it up here really quick. Sorry, oh, I should have had that at the ready. You cooked one of these. Well, I don't think I've... This is my struggle too when you said, can you recreate that? There are some things that I feel like you just can't recreate, period. Like the thing you just talked about? Yeah, you know what I mean? Or it would be way too much work. Or I don't have the equipment necessary to actually make that thing happen. And sometimes when I make something, I don't enjoy it as much as if I just go out and get it at a restaurant. And that's probably yeah, the laziness. That's the laziness in me. But all right, go ahead. What do you have? Okay. So one thing I've cooked, one thing I ate out. The thing that I've cooked is this recipe from Bon Appetit. It's oh. called charred chicken with sweet potatoes and oranges. You cook it in a cast iron skillet. It's chicken thighs with cooked sweet potatoes. There's Castrovano olives in there. There's a little feta in there. There's chickpeas in there. But Steve, it comes with a blood orange sauce and a wow. blood orange marinade that you put over the top. <laughs> I made it for a friend who came over and it was one of the best things that I cooked in a really long time. And it made me look very fancy and very accomplished in the kitchen when actually it was a super, super easy recipe. It was very easy to execute. So I highly recommend this. Go to Bon Appetit. It's called charred chicken with sweet potatoes and oranges. Look it up when blood oranges are in season and do yourself a favor. And the blood orange is the official fruit of small talk that we yeah, all know this. this is true. Yes, we know it. Okay. So the other thing, Steve, is a while back I went to Mexico. I was in Tulum and there's a restaurant there called Heartwood that's pretty well known. It's a great place. The entire meal was amazing. It was sensational. And it was one of those meals where you're so stuffed at the end. And you're like, I don't think I can do dessert. And my the person I was with was like, no, we're here. We've got to do dessert. And so they had, two de- yeah, they had two dessert offerings. One was two different sorbets that you get. And the other was a honey cake. And I was like, we got to do the honey cake, right? The honey cake comes out, Steve. This is the best dessert I have ever had in my entire life. Have you seen an olive oil cake? Yep. Mm -hmm. It was the consistency of an olive oil cake, but it was with honey in it. And it had some sort of a, it wasn't ice cream on the top, but sort of a whipped type cream with sea salt on the top. So you've got the sea salt, the cream, (laughs) the honey type cake, and then obviously a graham cracker like crust. It was so good. I didn't get a picture of it. I didn't speak. I just 
shoveled it in my mouth. I emailed the restaurant being like, I don't know if you do this, but I have got to have that recipe. Still have yet to hear back. If anyone has a connected heartwood, please get your girl the recipe. And it's one of those things, like you mentioned, I can make it at home. It's never going to be as good. It's never going to be as good, but it was seriously the best dessert I've ever eaten in my entire life. You strike me as a, a savory salt type of deal on your dessert. You like a, a good sprinkle of salt on a cookie or salt on a cake. That's very hit or miss. I'm not a salt caramel guy, so I don't know. But Ooh, this, you what? strike. I know I don't I'm, caramel even in general. I don't I don't I don't love, especially by itself. But you do strike me as a good. A, you probably own very expensive salt. Yes or Steve, no? Steve, I have an entire thing of Malden sea salt in yep. my spice cabinet. Yep. And Malden sea salt is like love, Steve. It makes everything better. I'm not going to disagree with you because a good salt, I get it. Himalayan, pink Himalayan sea salt. You get the real stuff. It's good. It's really good. It totally changes things. But, um, and you know what's weird is I'm not a big cake person. Do you like cake normally for my birthday? I don't even like cake for my birthday. Uh, but a good cake, I love a good Trace Leche's cake. Oh, yeah. But that's totally different from a cake. It's like a wet cake. It's amazing. Yeah, right. But what you're describing doesn't seem like a traditional cake at all. No, it was. Yeah, it's not a boxed cake. You know what I mean? It's not like a cake, cake you get. You Although get face cake, cake has its place. Face cake? Yeah, like at Costco, you get you get your, you know, a birthday cake with somebody's face on it. You never had face cake? It's no. a sheet cake. Oh, I know a sheet cake. Yeah, it's I like that. I know face cake. You never heard face cake? It's, I guess no. I don't know if that's what it's called, but that's what we Is used to call it. Is this a New England thing, a face Maybe. cake? Maybe, it's, it's possible, it's possible. Your face cake hasn't made its way out to St. Louis yet, but eventually it will. So you um, get a sheet cake with your face yeah, on it? Yeah, like the one, you know, it's got vanilla or chocolate or whatever, but it usually has vanilla frosting. And then there's like a printed thing on it that they print like a, a picture of you as a child or something or your dog. I don't know, anything. And yeah, it's called face cake. Well, that's what I want for my birthday this upcoming year is a face Done. cake. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, put that on, on dry ice and send it straight from Costco in New England, straight out to St. Louis. Oh my God. Can you imagine the consistency of that cake? I'll send, you a, I'll send you a face cake with you as a, I don't know, some ridiculous picture of you. Maybe you as one of the trolls from Halloween. That's get, always my favorite. Cause yeah. we thought that was such a good costume. We were like, we killed it. Wait till everyone sees us. <laughs> and all the and dudes we, are like, what the hell is happening right now? They're like, you guys are so weird. We're like, but isn't this so funny? <laughs> yeah. But we nailed it though. Do we? Nailed it. Okay. Next one. Steve, what was your backup college if you didn't go where you went? So I went to Quinnipiac, obviously, uh, proud of Hanman, Connecticut. What's up? Just outside of New Haven. And I was happy, actually, I went to Quinnipiac. So it's weird. My mom, I knew that I wanted to get into communications. I knew that I wanted to work in journalism or sports journalism or writing or media. I knew I wanted to do that for a long time, for most of my life. And they had a good school. So that's really where I applied and I got in. So shouts out. What's up, Quinnipiac? It was great. But I don't really know if I had like a secondary school. I got waitlisted at Syracuse, but I don't even think I would have wanted to go to Syracuse because it was so far away. And then I think about being in Syracuse. It's, I don't know. I know all the people that went to Syracuse are probably gonna be really offended by that, but it's in the middle of nowhere. It really is like five hours north of where I am. And I'm pretty far north to begin with. Steve, most college towns are in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but that's always the thing that weirded me out. I have a lot of friends that went to Penn State too. My cousin went to Penn State, but Penn State is in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. I would be weird if I went to a school like that because I just wouldn't, I feel so isolated, even though it doesn't really matter. How is Champaign like that? Is it that much in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, it's in the middle of the state, but Champaign is a city. Champaign-Urbana yeah. is like a built-up city. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's, it's not Chicago, but you know what I mean. But you're close to some things. I don't know. I, I always got weirded out by being so far away from everything, but I didn't really have like a backup. I don't even remember. I didn't apply to UConn. I didn't really, because they didn't really have a great communications program, but I mean, it's a great school. My wife went there. What's up? Shouts out Huskies. But I don't know. I didn't really, I don't have a great answer to this. I don't really remember my college experience being like me choosing between a million different schools. I applied to a couple schools in Boston. I think I would have liked to have probably gone to school in a city, in a big city. That's what mm-hmm. I would, and probably far away from, you know, cause I stayed local. So probably somewhere far away. 
Yeah. I don't know if we talked about this before, but my path was really weird. I wanted to go far away. I visited Florida and Gainesville. I visited I NYU. I see you in Florida. Oh, Florida, I mean, Steve, all due respect to the people of Florida, but. I went there. I walked on that campus. It was hot as shit. It, I was like, oh, this is why you call it the swamp because it feels like a swamp. Yeah. And the city was a little, I was like. Mm-mm. You in Gainesville? Mm. That's not, that's it, not Shelly territory. My dad was like, you're not going to like it. And he's like, well, we need to go just so you see it. Yeah, that's And I, I went there and I was like, Mm-mm. I visited NYU. We went and visited. That I could see you. Yeah, that's, a, that's a Michelle school. You know, because my mom's from New Jersey. So I went to the city growing up when I would visit my family sometimes. Um, and I was always just in awe of New York. It's a magical place, right? I visited Pepperdine in California. Oh, shout out Will Kane. Yeah, shout out to Will Kane. Could have gone to the same alma mater as Will Kane. But when I did the tour there, they talked about how it was a dry campus. And I exactly. was like, we're out. <laughs> beautiful, we're beautiful out. campus. Like maybe it, oh the most beautiful God. there is. It was but, spectacular. But you can't drink there. But you can't drink. So that mm. that just was not. Why are we going to college? I'm not trying to sit here and say that, you know, I had a problem, but that's part of college is having fun. So sorry. Part, part of the deal. So for me, I kind of didn't know which route I was going to take. And then um, a guy that I was friends with that was a year older than I was, he went to Illinois. He was dating a girl that was in my friend group and invited us up for a weekend in the fall when we were juniors. Mm, the best the best. And so it was myself and three of my girlfriends and we went up to Illinois. I will never forget it, Steve, as I have my chai tea <laughs> and my Illini mug. I will never forget it. I walked on that campus. It was a crisp fall, October day. All the leaves had changed and I fell in love with that place instantly. Then he took us out and I was like, this is the most fun I have ever had in my life. I was obsessed with it. I applied early, got in. I had applied to Mizzou as my safety school, but did not like Mizzou. I would have never Ooh, gone there. Yeah, yeah. Not even a, a diss to them. I just, I didn't feel it when I went there. You know, some people, they feel it. I just did not yep. feel it the way I felt it at Illinois. And if I didn't get into Illinois, I would have been devastated. And <laughs> I don't, I don't know. You would have went to college. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. Honestly, I have no idea because I just didn't feel it anywhere the way that I felt it there, but I loved it. It was the best decision I've ever made, probably, because I met all of my best friends there. I absolutely loved the school. It made me such a, uh, I think, a well-rounded person. You know, it, it just was perfect for me. It was perfect for me. So I really didn't have a desire to go anywhere else because I got that great Big Ten. I thought you were going to say you would have chosen Wisconsin. <laughs> okay, well, I was, I was just going to butt in and say, you're describing what happened when I went to Wisconsin when yeah, I was in my exactly. mid-20s, which I wish I had, if I had done that in my, you know, in high school, I would have went to Wisconsin in a heartbeat. A place is, I mean, it's magical there. So you stepping on, you describing exactly why you went to Illinois. If I had had that experience in Madison, I would have went to Wisconsin. I would have been a badger. Yeah. The way that you felt about Wisconsin is the exact same way that I felt about Illinois when I went there, other than the fact that I could choose to live there for four years and you didn't really have that option. (laughs) I didn't really have this sort of, um, you talk about being cautious or whatever. I didn't really have this worldly view of, I want to get out and see a bunch of different things when I was kind of leaving high school. I have it now. I had it when I was in college, probably post-college. I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to that. So that wasn't my thing to be like, let me go out and see the world. So I guess I do regret that I didn't, and I don't regret going to where I went because it opened up a bunch of doors. I had a great time at Quinnipiac. It's an awesome school, but like in a, in a different world or a parallel universe or an alternate universe, I would have hundred percent loved to have tried to, to live in a different city or to go to Madison or my buddies. And I always talked about this. Why did we not all decide to go to the same school and go to an awesome school in the South and party, not Florida maybe, but why don't we go to Arizona state? And just, I don't know, have a great time. The weather's awesome. It's a huge school. Sports are really good. All of my friends, we would have had an absolute blast doing that. And in hindsight, we're like, none of us even got on the same page and wanted to go to the same school together. Why did we not do that? 
So this is a hot take and I'm going to catch some heat for this, but I had a friend that went to Arizona state, a friend from high school. And when I was in college, I went to Arizona state to visit it. It was a good time. It was not all that. Okay. And, and I'm telling, I'm telling you, it was a different party experience than a big 10 school. I had way more fun at Wisconsin. Yeah. I had way more fun at Iowa. I had way more fun at Indiana. There's just something that's more, it just feels like college when you're in a big 10 school at Arizona state, everybody was partying at house parties and they have ice luges there. You know, they all partied on mill street. It was see and be seen, you know, it was more, it was more sceny than college was my college experience, which was hang out with your friends and have a blast. You and I are on the same page there. I very much have a big 10, I think personality in that again, I wouldn't want to go to Wisconsin, but um, I don't think I would have fit in at an SEC school. Not that it's, I'm sure they're great. I mean, the, the partying there is probably totally different and the vibe there is totally different. I have two cousins, one that went to uh, Auburn, one that went to South Carolina. Both of them love their experience at the SEC. I just don't think that was for me necessarily, but I get what you're saying. I use Arizona State as an example, not even as a specific yeah. school to go to because I'm with you. I probably wouldn't have necessarily loved it there, but yeah, why don't we all go to Michigan or some, you know what I mean? Why don't we all go to Illinois? Who knows? And just have a good time. But I think if I had done it over as an adult, this is actually probably a good question. Knowing what you know now, as what, mid-30s, both of us, where would you go as adult Michelle and adult Steve? Because I think me, knowing what I know now, knowing what I want out of life and what I want out of a school, I would have chosen completely differently. I would choose the same. I (laughs) truly would. Um, But if I had to choose differently, I would go the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I would go to like an NYU or I would Mm -hmm. go to a school in Boston. Yeah, Yeah. school that's in a bigger city, something like that, maybe like a USC or UCLA, you know, somewhere in California, something so foreign to me would be interesting. But it's so funny, because I would go visit my friends in Chicago. And all of their friends from high school went to Wisconsin, or they went to Northwestern, it was all some sort of version of a big 10 school. Mm -hmm. Then when I moved to Connecticut, you would tell me where your friends went to school. And I'm like, I've never heard of that school. I've never heard of all of these small schools that are very influential and very difficult to get into and very great schools that are on the East coast. I'm like, that was not even on my radar or anyone I knew's radar. That's a really, really good point by you because there are definitely different vibes to different parts of the country in new England. The state school thing isn't as much as as it is in the Midwest as the South. Um, Not so much the West coast, but in new England, the status schools are small liberal arts private schools. Yes, That's what they are. They're not big universities with huge football programs and whatever and partying. And there are still our party. A lot of those are good party schools, but they're 2000 student schools that are hard to get into Bates, Muhlenberg. I don't even know what that um, is. Yeah. Bedoin. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. I don't Bedoin. even know. Clark Bedoin. I think it's called Bedoin. Bowden or Bowden or Bedoin. I don't even know. No, it's, it's Bowden. I think it's Bowden. Yeah. I'm not in that crew. I, you know, I didn't grow up, you know, with, uh, white tablecloths in my house growing up anyway but um the vibe (laughs) the vibe in new england for colleges is very very different than it is in the midwest and very very different than it is in the south whereas i feel like in the midwest everybody wants to go to a state school right everybody wants to go to that big ass state school and know a bunch of different people or whatever it's very very different from new england and quinnipiac's kind of in that vibe it's a small liberal arts private school it's a little bit bigger than normal i mean they have sports they're d1 but they're not like some massive sports program and i do i wonder what kind of person i would be if i went to a huge state school, I probably would be different. But then I also think, Michelle, in a different life, I could totally see you being like an art major at NYU and being a curator of some museum now in a totally different universe. That's my dream. I would love that. Should I do that right now? That sounds it's, awesome. It's still, you're still young. I also, Steve, I heard Hilaria Baldwin went to Bedoin. She probably did. <laughs> I actually don't even know if I pronounced that correctly. So that tells you how not in the loop I am on that, but. 
Okay, next one. And this is from our friend, Stanzik. Shout out to Stanzik. Nice. What are your top three all-time book recommendations? So first off, we he's obviously know five, Danzig. We're gonna we're gonna whittle it down. Yeah, Dan. I love calling him Danzig. We so he is probably the most aggressive reader of anyone I know. He reads fifty books reader. a year. It's a great yeah, exactly. He's a voracious reader. He, the dude is just insane. The two things I know about Stanzik are he loves to read and he loves Jeopardy. So that tells you everything you know about about Stanzik, which is one of the reasons okay. I like him because he's a very intelligent guy. But I don't read nearly the amount of books that he does. So I feel like he's asking us this because he wants recommendations, but he's probably read all these books or he certainly knows about all the books that we're going to give him. So we're just going to give him three or four books that we like that we think our audience should read if they haven't already. How's that? So this is an all time. Mine kind of are all time. They're just books that I've read in relatively recently that I like that I think other people should read. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah. Because my all time list was like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and Catcher well, that, the I like that. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, but it's like classics. Yeah, don't give like me the Great Gatsby. God, we, you probably already read the Great Gatsby. No, I, I actually love the Great Gatsby. It's probably my favorite of the books that I read. And you know, of all the books you read in high school, that's probably my favorite one. It's to Kill a Mockingbird off the list. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Catcher in the Rye. Can't name that one. Yeah. None of those. Shout out uh, Harper. What Lee. is it? Uh, what's the one I'm thinking of? Of Mice and Men, right? Oh yeah, yeah. None of those could be in there. Um, okay, so three I've read recently. Okay, I've got some. You go. All right, I've got four. Four. Okay, I only have three. And they're very different. Again, Stan's going to laugh at this because he probably is like, you, you, you read Dan Brown novels, what a loser. But I actually really <laughs> like historical fiction. And and I understand that he's for basic people. And this is probably the most basic thing I have in me is that I read Dan Brown novels. But no, it's absolutely not. There's one thing. You're right. I have a lot of other basic <laughs> things. I'm sneaky, about? very basic, as we learned on a few episodes ago. But Inferno by Dan Brown. So everybody knows Da Vinci Code. Everybody knows Angels and Demons. Um, there's a lot of different books that he's written. But my favorite one is Inferno. It's uh, I don't want to give too much away, but it's kind of about... It's about how the world's overpopulated and it takes place in Europe, which is also really, really cool. And there's a lot of, again, it's historical fiction. There's a lot of things that you can learn about the history of Europe and all these different things. And it's also very, has a very scientific sort of lean to it. It's not real, but it's fun to read and you learn a lot reading it. And I think the end is, is the best part of it. The end is awesome. It is worth the entire read. And they even made it into a movie, Michelle, and they changed the ending and it completely ruined the book. So it Why was the first time. The ending? I don't want to give anything away, but the ending yeah, is no. it's not a happy ending. That's all I'll say. And they tried to make a happy ending in the movie. And the best part of the book is that it's not a happy ending. So I'll just say Inferno by Dan Brown, really, really good book. Number two, uh, if you haven't read the Lord of the Rings trilogy, read it. By the way, I have show and tell. So first off, Excuse we got- me. Wait, Inferno. I'm taking Harry Potter off the list and you're going Dan Brown and you're going Lord of the Rings? Really quickly, I, I brought show and tell. So I've got Inferno right here. Great book, read it. Let me know if you want to borrow it. Um, the second one I have, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I only say this because I watched the movies before I read the books. And I know a lot of people that have watched the movies that like the movies, but actually haven't read the books. And reading the books is an awesome, awesome thing to do. You should you should always do it because it, typically the books are better than the movies. And I do kind of believe that is true, even though the Lord of the Rings movies are amazing. But this one I'm holding up right now, Michelle, is The Similarian. This is actually the first book that J.R.R. Tolkien ever wrote. And it was the last one that was published. And it's a bunch of stories that are surrounding the Lord of the Rings universe, right? So there are a lot of the stuff is earlier in Middle Earth and all that different stuff. So if you really like Lord of the Rings, make sure you read this because it has a backstory of how everything actually happened. It's a bunch of little stories basically put into one. So the Similarian, uh, make sure you read that as well. I'll get right uh, on that, Steve. Two more. I know that's not that's not up your alley. This one actually might be up your alley. Again, show and tell as I do this year. Okay. Uh, this is called The History of the World in Bite-Sized Chunks by Emma okay. Marriott. This is a book I actually picked up on my way to the beach. I typically do most of my reading on vacation or flying or at the beach because I get kind of bored. But okay. this is an awesome book because if you're ever interested in how civilizations came to be, 
basically all across the world. They go all the way back to the Sumerians in Africa and the start of man, all the way up until the civilizations of today, like America. And they tell you how they how they came to be in very bite-sized chunks. So if you ever want a quick tutorial on how the world came to be, The History of the World in Bite-Sized Chunks by Emma Maria is an awesome one. And then the last book I have here is Sprawl Ball. This is by Kirk Goldsberry, who actually used to be in the Spurs front office and works for ESPN now. He's an NBA analyst. Really, really good. I bet Sanzik has actually read this because he's a big hoops guy. It kind of gets into a lot of the new age analytics stuff of the NBA and basketball and the, you know, the three-point line and how that stuff kept, sort of came to be and how math became such a big deal in the sport. You know, because we always think of like analytics nerds being like the worst part of sports. And now analytics nerds are running front offices. This kind of tells the story of how analytics and the NBA and the three-point line and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, the Warriors, all of that sort of came to be. And it's a bunch of different little anecdotes about different things that made basketball what it is today. So if you're a hoops fan, make sure you read Sprawl Ball by Kirk Goldsberry. So those are my four. They're, okay. I feel like it was pretty diverse too. Yeah, pretty good. The last two definitely intriguing to me and definitely have Saruti written all over them. Actually, all of them have Saruti written all over them, but you know, I couldn't care less about the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was mostly just me. I always have to try to get Lord of the Rings in when I can. Come on. Okay. Wait, if we're doing show and tell, we're going to take a pause because okay, I'll go good. grab my book and love- we'll do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. We are back. I have just gone and grabbed four books off my shelf. Nice. I have an entire cabinet situation in the back with books from top to bottom. Many so leather-bound books. Many leather-bound books. Many leather-bound books. Is that my new accent? Many leather-bound what books. What was that? I yeah, I was weird. talking like that. I don't even know. Hilaria Baldwin. I don't... Elizabeth Holmes. All right. First book Moira I grabbed... I oh, love Moira. She's... What a gem. Okay, I'm going to go through these quick. Circe by mm-hmm. Madeline Miller. It's a story about Greek and Roman mythology, but it chronicles Circe and her life and what happens to her. And it's very good. Very, very good. Highly recommend. I've seen that cover. I've never read the book, but it looks really cool. Do you want me to mail it to you? Because I will. Maddie's going to read it before I do, but sure. Yeah. Well, you would like it too, Steve. This is all about Greek and Roman mythology. It's a great story. I love mythology. Mythology is one of the coolest things. I remember learning about that in school. That was one of my favorite things to learn about, for sure. We've got Athena in here. I mean, every Greek and Roman mythology storyline or god you can think of here you go um classic joan didion the white album hello a must again very on brand for me kitchen confidential anthony bourdain Mm -hmm. if you haven't read this you need to it's going to make you think twice before you order certain things at a restaurant bourdain is a beautiful writer this is what kind of exposed the world to him must read and then love Bourdain. And then maybe one of my favorite books in the history of books, Steve, if I went to a library and you could say, pick out a book that personifies Michelle Smallman, this might be it. Three Nights in August by Buzz Bissinger, Uh. (laughs) who's an amazing writer. Most people know him from Friday Night Lights. If you are a baseball person, it doesn't even have to be a Cardinal fan. If you are a baseball person, you need to read this book, Three Nights in August. Buzz Bissinger was given unprecedented access to the Cardinals. He followed them for a year, but he really chronicles three nights in August per the name of the book where the Cardinals play the Cubs with postseason implications, the division, but the access is unbelievable. He talks about private meetings that the manager has with players. He talks about injuries and the way that Tony La Russa has to construct a lineup. He breaks down situations in a game and Tony La Russa takes him through his thought process on how he manages things, how he manages star players and personalities. It is so good. 
Steve, I read this and you can see I have so many highlighted passages and I mean it's just chunks that I would highlight things that I love like let me try to find one really quick to read just to give I love that you highlight that's amazing that you it's a textbook I have done that since I was a kid I love to highlight things and go back and reference them let me find a good one okay how about this I mean just one thing I turn to page 160 okay it was a merciless environment for players, but now the problem is overconfidence. The job security they've earned over the years breeding, as he puts it, a different monster. Larusa calculates that for today's players, winning is third or fourth on their list behind making money and having security and all that other BS. Sounds like good stuff. And that's honestly, if a book was written for you specifically, that would be the one. You mentioned Friday Night Lights too. If you haven't read Friday Night Lights, I mean, the movie's awesome, but if you haven't read the book too, you should read the book. It's awesome. The show is better than the, than the movie. No, oh, well, they're different though, aren't they? I know, I, they're different, but the show is better than the movie. I've never the actually show. seen the show. I mean, Maddie loves it. I know a lot of people love it. Um, I've, what? Yeah, I've never seen okay. it. Steve, we're doing this right now because I consider this for 2021. I needed something to bring me joy in this new year. We are going to watch Friday Night Lights and we're going to talk about it on the pod. We're going to do a quick recap the way that we do other shows. It is everything. It is so good. Starting next week, we're going to watch an episode of Friday Night Lights. We're going to do a quick recap and it's going to be something we do at the back end of the pod. Okay. I mean, I know, I know everybody loves it. I just never really got into it. And I, I remember seeing the movie first. And I loved the movie so much. I was like, eh, I don't really need to watch the show. Oh my but God. I like everybody in it. Matt Saracen, my eternal boo. I cannot wait for this. Unbelievable. You're going to love it. Okay, next question. Let's do some of these facts. Hopefully Stanzik liked that. He's probably read most of these books already. Yeah, sorry, Stanzik. If this didn't live up to your expectations, if you've read all of these, please let us know and we'll come back and we'll be better. Because again, those who don't know Stanzik, he sends, I, I need it more often, an email with the best things he read, watched, and listened to. And it's always so interesting, things I had never heard of or seen. And he gives great reviews about it. So yeah, I wish I would have thought about it more. And I'm reading a good book right now called Betty. I read a good book called There There by Tommy Orange. Highly recommend that if you haven't read it. I want to read. So I, I actually have a couple books in the background here. So I bought Dune, which is uh, one of the probably the most famous science fiction novel of all time. I've never read it. There's a movie coming out with Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet, whatever Chalamet. his name is. Chalamet. Love him. Um, so I actually just bought that and want to read it. And then I also, my mom gave me Green Lights, which is Matthew McConaughey's book, which is, I guess, part autobiography, part just mystical Matthew McConaughey, whatever. And I love McConaughey. So I have both of those back there that I do want to read as well. Okay, let's run through these because we do have someone that's going to pop on. That's true. All right, too. we'll do these quick. Steve, one pandemic trend you hope continues. This is going to continue. This is kind of a cop-out answer because it's awesome, but grocery store delivery, this idea that I can now have Amazon Prime and get Whole Foods delivered by the end of the day to my house for free is the most ridiculous thing of all time. And it's borderline dangerous actually, but I hate going to the grocery store. I just don't like, I didn't like going before the pandemic. I don't like going now. Um, I just pick a couple things up online. And all of a sudden some guy drops it off at my doorstep and it's good stuff. Yeah. So that's going to keep going. So I guess it's a cop out, but grocery store delivery is amazing to me. Mine is the culture of busyness before you were expected to be on all the time and expected to be all of these different places at once. Uh, there wasn't really any work life delineation, at least in our industry. And I love that now personal life also takes some sort of a precedent. And I hope that that continues. I hope that people aren't expected to be on 24 seven. That's a good forward. one. That's much better than mine. Good call. Okay. So your favorite restaurant in New York city. All right. So I outsourced this question because I don't get out as much in New York as maybe I should, even though I'm somewhat close to New York. You are the New York sort of uh, expert, I guess, between the two of us, but my sister lives in New York. So I actually asked her what 
is her favorite restaurant in New York City. She said uh, Casa Restaurant, which is in, the, is in the West Village, is a Brazilian home cooking restaurant since 1998. She loves it. So I've never been. This is all on my sister, Rachel, but she has really great taste. So go to Casa Restaurant in West Village. Okay. So if I could go to any restaurant in New York City, it'd be 11 Madison Park. Have never been. Would die to go. The initial one I was going to say is a West Village haunt called Tortilla Flats, where I've had many a great night with some margaritas, but I looked it up and it permanently closed, oh, which no. was such a bummer. There's so many great restaurants in New York. Just off the top of my head, I'll stick in the West Village, and I love getting an Aperol Spritz and an order of meatballs <laughs> at Morandi. <laughs> I sit outside, people watch, you know, but there's so many great places in New York. And the thing about New York is anytime I go back, my friends are like, have you been to Le Cuckoo? This is the best spot. We need to go here. Anytime you go, your new favorite yeah. restaurant changes, which is part of what makes New York great. Yeah. Next question, Steve. I don't know if we've ever done this one before. I know at the very beginning of the pod, we did, do you wet your toothbrush before or after you put toothpaste on? Before, but I don't know always, if we've ever- but okay. Yeah, before, always. Before and after, actually. Me too. I'm a double dipper. Okay. Have we ever done, though, the toilet paper one? Do you prefer the toilet paper to hang over or under? Okay. I don't think we've done this, but- my answer is probably the controversial one, but it's the mullet versus the beard thing, right? Because everyone's like, oh, you want a beard. You want it to come out of the front, not a mullet like in the back. But I actually like the back. I actually like pulling it down from the back because it hides sort of the thing. It looks kind of neat on the front. And I think it's easier to rip away when it's in the back too. So I know I'm in the minority, but give me the beard. Give me the back or give me the mullet. Give me the back. Yeah, I thought there was only one answer and that was over the top. Unless you're a serial killer. I guess, yeah, I guess we got to watch out for me. I don't know. I just, here's the thing in my house, it's always in the front because that's the way that Maddie likes it. And I don't really, I'm not going to argue with her. I don't really care that much, but if I had my preference, it would be in the back. Weird. I know. Sorry. I, we all have our quirks. I don't know what to tell you. Steve likes it in the back. Okay. I'm trying to, whoa. <laughs> <Hey now>. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that unintentionally sounded so bad. <laughs> My bad, dude. Sorry. That is incredible. Retraction. Retraction. No, we're keeping that in for sure. That's 100% staying in. Oh, Ooh, my God. Okay. I, you heard I'm it here first. You, <laughs> wow. It's six o'clock. I'm tired. I had Steve Lyson. What an unbelievable line. I didn't even think oh. as the words escaped my mouth. I didn't I even think so about much. it. Okay. 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 Next on. one. Quickly. What does your ideal day look like? Uh, this is so predictable. Should we just, we should just guess our own and then we should tell you what they are. Okay. You would wake up, have an espresso, watch soccer, <laughs> maybe have some breakfast, an afternoon of FIFA, your dogs would be there. Then you would probably watch an NBA game at night, have a beautiful meal with Maddie, definitely have some sort of great beer at the end Ooh. of it. Wow. That's pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> I wrote this down. I wrote, I would wake up Saturday morning, you know, 7.30, 8-ish. I'd make a banging ass espresso, turn on soccer, watch until about two, take the dogs for a walk, probably in town, maybe grab a sandwich, an Alt-B at Hartford Bacon Company, amazing sandwich, love it there. Uh, come home, maybe play a couple games of FIFA, late afternoon, early evening. Then, you know, evening comes around, go to Sayulita, eat a bunch of tacos, have a couple oh. margaritas, come home, watch Netflix on the couch and pass out. Love it. Do you, I know you? Or do I know you? Yeah, that, you? Other than the, the NBA thing, you probably I probably would want to watch an NBA game too. So and you I actually know say, me better than I know myself. I should have said Sayulita, but in my mind, I was thinking that you would want to cook at home so you could watch NBA. No, 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 no. I would always want to go out. And then they have TVs there too, so it's perfect. But you, you're a little bit, I mean, I think yours would probably be some sort of brunch, right? You'd, I think you'd want to do a brunch. There no, would definitely Steve, be a, I'm, on, I'm on vacation. 
What does that mean? Your ideal day? I'm on vacation. Yeah, but you can't do brunch on vacation? I mean, you can, but I'm not brunching on vacation. I, I, see, I'm not on vacation here. This is an average day that I would really oh, see, enjoy. I didn't know if it was an average day. I yeah, I mean, if I could pick any day, it would day. be like, yeah, I'd be in, I'd be at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome watching a Roma match. I'd be, you know, having, yeah, having an espresso day. in Rome. No, this, I thought of this as more of your day-to-day life, but what is a good day in the day of Steve or the day of Michelle? So my, oh, mine would be, you wake okay. up, it's probably a weekend, maybe a Saturday or Sunday morning. You're going out to brunch with the girls. Um, having a great time, getting a little buzzed early afternoon. Then you're probably walking around the city, maybe doing a little bit of shopping. Um, then you're going to hit up some really, really super low key, but awesomely popular hole in the wall eatery place. One of the places that you just described in the West village, I'm sure. And then late night, you're probably going to, I don't know, a rooftop bar somewhere and having an Aperol spritz. That's probably how I would describe your day. It's pretty good. I was going to work at an art museum, maybe. Oh yes. Art museum. Definitely. That would be somewhere in the day after the mimosas. Or, you know what I've been craving so bad lately wake up early mimosas tailgating college football game a good tailgate dying for a college football or a really really great party sports mm-hmm. environment i agree i just want to think i miss the most dreaming about the steve about lsu i don't know why i just keep thinking about when we went there and how much i loved it and how much i cannot wait for life to be normal and we can go back and somebody can be cooking up a brisket on their thing that they brought there their grill and we could all be having a good time and go commune and watch sports together I miss uh, going to USA soccer matches and just tailgating that and getting weird and just, I don't know, day drinking, playing beer pong, kind of the same thing, tailgating in a way, but then actually going to the games themselves. I miss the NBC sports. They used to do these daytime party things where they would have them at a bar and you'd be able to drink basically all day and watch soccer. I miss that. That's the thing about the pandemic that I miss the most is the sports aspect, but the camaraderie of it, of hanging out with people and watching a game or something that you can't do. It just doesn't, sitting on the couch is fun and watching games, but I also want to be able to do stuff. You know, that's the thing I probably miss the most, but Um, eventually we'll get there. Just to be clear, my actual ideal day has to include a boat and it has to be a nap in the sunshine. There's nothing more luxurious than taking a nap on the beach because you have nothing to do and no one to answer to. Maybe you've had a couple cocktails. You're just laying in the sun. You doze off for a little bit. You wake up. Maybe a cool breeze comes in and you're like, I have shit to do today. This is awesome. I'm going to zag that on that. That is luxury. I'm going to zag on that. I actually hate sleeping on the beach. It's uncomfortable. It's hot. Oh, the sand is never would. comfortable to sleep on. And then you can't sleep when you got sand stuck to you and then you're sweating. Oh no, pass. I like the beach, but I don't like, st- I don't like sleeping on the beach. Cause it's just, you're never comfortable. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap up the AMA here. Thank you to everyone that submitted questions. Sorry if we didn't get to yours, but actually someone sent in a really good game idea that we didn't have enough time for this week, but we're going to carry that over to next week because I think that actually might be a good segment that we could bring back. So to our friend Derek, you know who you are. Your questions are coming. What's up, Derek? Week. What's up, Derek? But at the top, shout out to Derek. At the top of the podcast, we talked about a guest that was going to join us at the end. And this is an interesting thing. It's not an interview per se that we're doing. It's not anyone that the listeners know. It's not even anyone that Saruti and I know. But as we've talked about on the pod, in addition to the shirts and the YouTube channel that we developed, we also developed a website. And by we, I mean Steve, because I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to anything like that. So Steve developed a website and people have been sending us comments. They've been sending us questions, just submitting things about the podcast so that we can and converse with you. It's been an awesome platform in that way. So we get the emails and one email that we got really piqued our interest. We thought it was very well written and we wanted to talk to the author of the email and he's going to explain why here in a second. But we want to welcome in, I think it's fair to say, an OG Shelly, 
our listener, our new friend, John Martin. John, thank you for joining the pod. And is it fair to call you an OG Shelly? I think you've been around a while. Day one, day one Shelly, for sure. <laughs> day what, one Shelly. What an honor. Thank you so much. I know a couple of pods ago, you're talking about like psychedelic out-of-body experiences. <laughs> this is one of them. So what an honor it is to be here. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, John, love your accent. Let everyone know where you're from. Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> Lexington, Kentucky. Shout out. I love that. Love Lexington. Ran a race there. It's a beautiful place. We got a Rage Against okay. the Machine poster in the background too, right? <laughs> I love that. Lingering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, par for the course for these times. <laughs> I love that. Love that. And uh, so, yeah, you're Kentucky Wildcat. You also, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit. Third Eye Blind fan, you're checking a lot of boxes here. But what we, I guess we were <laughs> thinking, what do we, I guess what we should do, Michelle, we'll let him sort of pitch us on what he, what he wants to do exactly with the pod because yeah. we thought he had a pretty good idea and he was very convincing. Yeah, so if you can, John, just recap the mm -hmm. email that you sent us. Simply put, I have not seen the movie, but I basically want to be Robert De Niro. <laughs> I would love nothing more than to have the opportunity to try out to be an intern for the Small Talk Operations Corporation, because you are a conglomerate. You're so much more than just the pod. It's an entire <laughs> operation. <laughs> Okay, so this is going to be Shark Tank now. Steve and I are going to more. Yes. <laughs> Steve, I want to be Mark Cuban. I don't know what shark you want to be, but I call Mark Cuban. Uh, I don't know. I'll be my own. I don't know. Who else is in there? I don't even really know. I don't even know their names. Steve, who's, the, like who's the bald guy? Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, you're Mr. Mr. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, you're I'll be Mr. Wonderful. Okay, bad choice. But anyway. Or Lori Grenier. Should I be Lori Grenier? I don't yeah, know. I you're, you're kind of a hybrid of Mr. Wonderful and Robert, I think. You're, you is Robert the good like hair guy? Great hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah, that's a good call. That's yeah, don't be Lori. She's pigeonholed into one thing, Steve, and you diversify, okay? That's no, true. I'm you, very, you yes, diversify. exactly. Thank okay, you. So, so Shark Tank style, though, explain to us what your skills are, what you can offer us, pitch us on why we should accept you as a small talk intern. Great question. Point number one was already prefaced by you just a second ago. Um, as I mentioned in my super over-the-top uh, podcast review very early on in quarantine, co-chairman of the Third Eye Blind is terrific committee. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> that's points. being brought to the table. Do we need, can you take me as a new theme song? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but Stephen Jenkins will be officially unleashed. That probably just cost me 50% of my odds for this uh, mm -hmm. opportunity. Mm -hmm. But Michelle, I do love Below Deck. If that hopes repair any damage, I might've just caused with that it third eye fanfare. In the immortal words of Rick Ross, I've got the Justin Bieber, please believe it. The belief is my first selling point. I truly believe, I wrote this in the email, it is from the heart, that you all have the possibility, the potential, it's already in the cards for you all to go to top five of the charts, not top 10. As Drake says, the top, top, the top five. Top, top, five, five, top, five, top five, top five, top five, top five, top five, yeah. <laughs> I like where you're, um, the references, but first off, if I interrupt okay. you, you've dropped like nine references so far and I love every single one of them. So, and yeah. also I think the funny part is you act like there's some competition to become our intern. Right now you're the only applicant. So Ooh. like, I, this is, you cannot be a no, It's okay. I'm trying, I like him. I'm trying to be honest with them. I'm, I'm trying to be like, listen, I'm just laying all the cards on the table. We're honest here. We don't try to play. Do anybody else. I'm from Kentucky. Straight shots. There you straight go. Straight shots. bourbon shots. Let's go. Yes, it's bourbon no or the truth. Straight shots. I love that. Okay. He's already convinced me. So I guess you got to convince me, uh, Michelle. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm still a shark here and I have not revealed where my cards are at. Okay, John. Yeah, Mark, so Mark is harder to convince. That's a guarantee. The belief can only go so far. I do also want to mention my, I guess you could say vision. You all already have enough of the vision, so you don't need any more vision. But what I appreciate most about your show is, yes, there's other shows out there that are entertaining and insightful. There's a lot of them. 
I don't think there's another show quite like your all's that can weave the humor and content into the fabric of all the Shelleys, our everyday life. There are so many spontaneous things that makes me like think of your show. And I'm not going out searching for it. It just pops up. Saruti, that might be popcorners in aisle seven of my Yes. Those are a problem. The ca- I can't find the sweet chili, but the oh. queso ones, those are a problem. I like, can't believe how many box he's checking every he's dropping all these all things right, up. Calm down. I, let, I, let him go. I can't calm even down. talk anymore. I'm gonna lay out. Yeah. Are you guys like, did you just become the best? I friend? guess so. Yeah, we're gonna like, do crying in the garage. Stephen Jenkins. Stephen <laughs> Jenkins. You know what, John? Half a silly goose, half a voice of a generation. You might not be the intern, you might be the new co-host. So just take that for what it's worth, okay? <laughs> I might be out here, but continue. Please continue. Okay. So your music recommendations, Sudi. I know I tweeted you over the summer. Joshua Tree, phenomenal. Um, Michelle, what was your latest one? Morgan St. You? I like yes, that one. Add it nice. to the pop playlist. <laughs> you're all just, your content is literally A+. plus. I'm, I'm not trying to like, I'm, I know I am selling, but it is from the heart that no other podcast like weaves its way like into my everyday life. And I know I speak for the masses with that. So that's what inspired me more than anything is I know you're already successful. That, that goes all the way back. I mean, I loved you all back, SVP and Rosillo. I just wanted you to have as much airtime as possible back then. I just want to help in any way I can to boost to, I think, help take it to another level to where we're, we're going top five. Okay. So I appreciate Wrong. the P. Diddy hype man to our yes. baby smalls. I appreciate that. But we need something <laughs> tangible from a You need something tangible because P. Diddy can't rap. So P. Diddy is the hype man, kind of like Flavor Flav. Okay, seven years of copywriting experience. So if you love Keeneland, I've written ads for Keeneland published. Also, I hate this promotion here is going to be, there's no way for this to not sound a little cringy, but I guess I just have to go down this lane here. Um, Copywriting. So I've written ads, website, headlines, event, I named an event for Peter Millar. Oh, this also sounds super obnoxious. Anything you need written, I believe I can be an asset for. Okay. That's probably the most polished skill. So whether that's writing descriptions on the YouTube channel, which I knew I know is launching, kicking off now, I think that's a, that's a lane that I could be of value to. Michelle and I, we talk about this all the time. And we were mm-hmm. actually just talking about it today before we started taping the pod. Michelle's texting me about what she wants to send out on Instagram because both her and I are very afraid of promoting ourselves. We acknowledge we're bad it's at it. It's hard because, to do. It's because we don't do. want to, yeah, we don't want to come across as we're these thirsty people like, oh, listen to this, download our podcast. That's not what we want to be about. We want it to be organic. We want it to be real. And that's the thing that we've struggled with. So that is where we are very much open to suggestions and whether it's copywriting or whatever, anything that you want to suggest to us, that's where we feel like we struggle a little bit is that we don't know and we don't really feel comfortable promoting ourselves. Most people don't. So that's a lot of my projects have been about me, about us like storytelling what the brand is. I just, it's not published yet, but a local band here in town, they're getting ready to release their first album. I just wrote their Spotify bio about their album and the band because it's so hard. They're incredible. Um, It's just hard to like hype yourself. So what you just said, I definitely think I can do. And that's what I'm trying to say, try out because I can say all this. Sounds great. I can tell you have a 40 inch vertical. I don't, it's probably like 18, but that's Still what I'm saying. <laughs> 30 years it's old. Passable. <laughs> it's passable. You can still get rim. That's cool. Yeah. 
three four snap three four snap um, <laughs> let me ask you this though too let me ask you this um and michelle feel free to fire in as well being an intern at 30 is tough. You mentioned the Robert De Niro. I've never seen the movie, but I understand the concept of the movie. It's Anne Hathaway, as, as Michelle likes to call Annie. Um, but I don't like to call her that. <laughs> you know people that like to call her Annie. Um, people that but, know her. But I will say, you know, being a 30-year-old intern, there are some struggles in that. So this is just for the love of the game. This is just for the love of the pot. The love of the game, for sure. Yeah, we have that discussion on hours I can dedicate, but I am very <laughs> dedicated. I, I will make it work, but... So my second part, I will answer that question in kind of the second point is I've changed courses. I'm one of the millions that's been laid off this summer to where, you know, I managed at and store for five years, but that drove me to saying, I want to start doing like SEO, social media managing, you know, there's two hubs like Hootsuite, HubSpot of managing social media. They all kind of like blend together. But so that's all I've been doing the last two months is studying like Google Analytics, Search console. You're probably on YouTube Studio right now, learning those analytics. I started that last Very week. Very basic, but yes. <laughs> same, same. We're on the same wavelength. But that's why I'm saying intern is I have experience with copywriting. I, I'm polished with that. Still, of course, room to grow. Never ending journey. But with the SEO, Google, everything Google and SEO, that is like a two month endeavor to where. I'm learning a lot. I know I can do it, but I, I, I don't have tangible experience. So I never present myself as such. I'm an honest person. Okay. Um, if this is really an interview, what's the one thing you would change about our podcast? I would just give, you all are vibrant. You're vivacious. You're everything I've said prior to this sentence. I think there needs to be more descriptions that is like marketing to the masses of exactly how much color and texture you you all bring <laughs> there needs to be like marketing for that so people can understand when they're coming across and scroll it I, it's not the, like the logo is bad it's not like the description it's a it's a very simple one line you all are so much more than that good answer this guy's blowing me away i have nothing else I'm to say so impressed. listen you know i want to judge you by the i mean you're clearly saying all the right things there's a lot of buzzwords being thrown out which i'm typically like a little bit scared of buzzword guy but you I don't know, for some reason you're throwing, you're, there are good that's vibes fair. coming here it's not just buzzwords it feels yeah jovial vibes yeah <laughs> see jovial locomotive he remembers steve um okay steve we already know your answer yes or no of course yeah come on <laughs> You know what, John? I'm going to be honest with you. You lost me with all the third eye blind talk. But just when I was no ready. perfect. Blow deck, blow deck, blow deck. But John, just when I was ready to give up, you pulled me back in. You pulled me back in. I am very much a vibe check person because people can say all the right things. I obviously see you have notes there. You were very prepared. You're very eloquent. You're funny. Uh, we really enjoyed your email. But the rapport is what matters to me. I would rather work with somebody that I get along with and that I want to talk to every day where people have room to grow than I would somebody that's super polished, but I think sucks. And you pass the vibe check, my man. So it's a yes from me too, John. I think we can officially say, welcome to the Small Talk team. You're our this is first intern. <laughs> Best Christmas gift ever. Oh my God. This is so exciting. So what we'll do, we're going to talk to you off pod about next steps, but we'll have to do a John check-in, an intern check-in at the oh, end of every pod incredible. so we can give an update on what you've been doing for us. But it really does seem like A, Steve and I would love to talk to you and have you as part of the team and B, that you can genuinely help us expand this thing. I could not agree more. And thank you times a trillion. <laughs> nice. And next step, we'll get Steven Jenkins on the pod too. Yes. Yes. Next week. Yep, perfect. You're the man, John. Appreciate it. Take care, y'all. Much appreciated.
Steve, I can't believe it. We have an intern. Another thing that we're adding to the list of improvements to the pod in 2020. John, I honestly feel like he said a dozen things that were directed specifically to convince me. And I needed no more convincing after I heard three of them. Third Eye Blind, he's got a Rage Against the Machine poster in the back of his office. This guy's awesome. I'm all in. Yeah, you'd be the worst shark. You jumped right in and made it. No. You didn't even ask for any any valuations. You didn't ask about percentages. You didn't ask <laughs> about anything. You were just like, oh, you like Third Eye Blind? How about I make you this deal? <laughs> but I'm with you. It's the vibe. It's the vibe is important. That's the most important thing. A guy can be super polished or girl could be polished, well put together, have all the things, the right things to say. But if I don't feel like I, I know you or can vibe with you or could be friends with you or feel like your heart's in the right place, clearly John is doing this because he loves the show, not because he's looking to make it big. I think he maybe thinks there could be both, which, you know, who knows? I don't, I want to keep expectations as low as possible. But <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think, I think what's funny is the guy seems very genuine. And I think you and I are sort of, we have good bullshit meter. We know when someone's bullshitting and clearly he wasn't bullshitting. Now we've been you know, fooled before. There's certainly a way, exactly. My heart's been broken before, but yeah. there, there are certainly you know ways to, to tug at my heartstrings and John definitely knew how to do that. No, he was awesome. He seemed very genuine, very cool. Love Lexington, Kentucky. I mean, one of my favorite places that I've been in America, I chose Kentucky in the state draft. You know how I feel about Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, he did seem to genuinely love the show and just want to be a part of it. And so why wouldn't we want to bring somebody like that onto the team? That's exactly what we want. So we're thrilled to welcome John as our official first intern. Love that. We're, we're growing 2021. Big things. Right. And I would read a review, but John just kind of reviewed the podcast for us. So it doesn't <laughs> seem <laughs> yeah, like we need to do it anymore. And he gave us five stars, obviously. So thank you to John. And we look forward to working with him in the future. But um, thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to everybody who has followed along with this journey this entire time. I mean, the fact that we could even have people like John who've been listening to this podcast for as long as they have is really special. I mean, I post an emo Instagram post about the Shelly shirts selling out, but I truly mean it. I just love this community of meeting all the people and getting to interact with the people that listen to the pod. So to the Shelly's, we love you. Steve and I will be back in action next year. Wink, wink, nod, nice. nod. <laughs> Isn't Jokes. that so lame? It you is. see everybody at the office but I love like, it. catch you next year. You're like, I'll see you on Monday. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? No. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Good times. I'll see you on Monday, Robert. But anyway, Steve and I will be back in action next week and next year. But until then, adios, Esteban. 2021, Shelly, stepping out, being super adventurous. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.